Well, I'm a little bit daunted by following the cherished chicks. I feel like I should have got to go just to prepare for today and have my confidence levels built up here. Sounds absolutely wonderful. I've never actually heard of it before, but it sounds like an amazing, amazing event. I'll be there next year. Um, it is wonderful to be with you, uh, all here with you again today. I came to the uh, Chowdine Church Weekend Away for a little bit of it last year and absolutely loved being with you all. And it's been fantastic to hear um, a little bit in preparation for today about what you've been doing over the last few months, reading the whole New Testament together, I understand. That's wonderful. And um, thinking about how you want to have uh, an impact as a church and looking at uh, your values together and what values you want to inform your, uh, your mission and your behaviours. Um, and it was really interesting reading about that because um, I run a charity called Oasis Aquila Housing, which some of you uh, in here work for, which is rather wonderful. <laughs> the three noisy ones, basically. <laughs> um, and at Oasis Aquila, Uh, We've been thinking a little bit about our values as well. And I think values are incredibly powerful things because uh, without even intending, I think they shape our uh, behaviours and our way of being together. I think when you stop and you think and you decide that these are going to be what you want to shape us, uh, they have a way of getting into the very DNA of what you're doing and and informing it and um, being revealed through those actions. Um, And I have been asked to speak on one of those uh, values. So you've been uh, saying that you want to be an aspiring church, a welcoming church, a nurturing church, a serving church, a building church, a persevering church, and a reaching church or a reaching community. My prayer for you is that that uh, would be true and that that would shape everything that you are and do as a church. Um, And I get to speak on the value of nurturing Um, And I'm going to start by reading uh, to you a story from the Old Testament. Um, And it's a story, if you put the second slide on, um, it's a story that um, is actually found in different cultures and belief systems uh, around the world before the time that the Old Testament was written. Uh, Not in the exact form that we get it in the Old Testament, uh, but in different forms. There is this um, story and theme of dry bones um, that in ancient times was a way of describing uh, the places in life where uh, hope and life has got lost. Um, And in ancient thought, the very soul, the very um, essence of uh, who we are was believed believed to be contained in the bones. We don't think of it in that way anymore. Uh, But in those times, they did. They believed that the kind of the life force was in our bones and that dry bones was a a symbol of where life had been lost, uh, where life had slipped away and um, where there was just that sense of emptiness and desolateness. And um, the prophet Ezekiel, who uh, he has a book in the Old Testament, and he was writing at a time where um, hope had been lost for the people of Israel. So the people of Israel believed um, that they were God's people. They, they believed that they were Yahweh's people. And part of what it meant to be Yahweh's people was that they had a land that God had given them. Um, and in this land, um, they were to prosper and God was to be found with them. And yet their land had been captured, 
Um, their leaders had been taken away. Uh, they had become like refugees, I guess. Um, and in the middle of Ezekiel, in chapter 37, uh, there's this story where God appears to the prophet Ezekiel. Um, and I'm going to read it to you. Um, it says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He caused me to pass among them around about, and there were very many bones on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, Lord God, only you know. And he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to those bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, that you may come to life. And I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin and put breath in you that you may come alive and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was told. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked and behold, sinews were on them. And flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, this is what the Lord God says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life. And they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They said, Our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. Therefore, therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the Lord God says. Behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves. My people, I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord when I've opened your graves and caused you to come up out of your graves. I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life and I will place you on your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it, declares the Lord. As I was thinking about this service and the topic of nurturing, um, that's the story that kept going round in my head because at its heart, it's a story about nurturing hope. At that time, as I said, they'd lost their land, they'd lost their people, they'd lost their sense of what it was to be God's people, what that should look like, what God had given them. It was a hard time. It was a time where they'd lost their sense of who they was, were as God's people. And in this story, it is a story about breathing life back in, breathing hope back in. And the prophet's role um, in that, that, the prophet's role of standing there and hearing God and doing what he said. And I think we as people have probably never known that sense of, 
um, cut-offness of loss of land, uh, loss of autonomy, loss of identity. Um, But we do see it in the world around us. And perhaps if you've been watching the news recently, uh, you can imagine that the people of Nepal and the people of Kathmandu and the surrounding provinces um, would be feeling that same sense of a loss, having lost their homes, their country, their land. And in the story of Ezekiel, the people say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone and we are cut off. And in those circumstances, God says, therefore prophesy to them. Therefore prophesy and say, this is what the Lord says. I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I'm going to give you your land back and I'm going to put my spirit in you. Being a a nurturing community um, is about being a, a community that nurtures hope in the people in our communities that feel that their hope has gone and being people who nurture hope even when um, we feel that our hope is pretty fragile, that our hope has got smudged or worn out or has worked too hard. Um, because let's be honest, our, our hope gets lost. Our reserves of hope uh, get depleted. And what I love about that story is that it's not the story of an amazing prophet um, who has not whose hope has not been shaken. When God says to him, um, son of man, can these bones live again? The prophet doesn't say, of course they can because you are God and you bring life where there is death. He says, only you know. And I think in that only you know, there's, a, there's maybe a only you know because I'm not sure that I know anymore. You know God, but I'm not sure that I have the confidence to say, yes, you're going to bring life again. And I think at times, um, we're like that prophet. We go from being people who have that sense of God is glorious and he brings hope and he brings life and he brings change to feeling like, well, I thought you did, but I'm not seeing it. And our faith and our doubt get mixed together and they start to unsettle one another. To be those who nurture hope in the lives of others, uh, we have to nurture hope in ourselves. Um, and I'd never heard that song uh, that, was, that was played um, that said, it is well, it is well with me. Uh, but there was a line in it that said something like, um, the, the wind and the, the seas know your name, the wind and the waves know your name. Um, and I, I often feel like my hope gets depleted. And when it does, um, I have to do the things that work for me and um, go to the places where I've met God before and known him rebuild that bank of hope, that reservoir of hope within me. Um, and the thing that I do is I go out of the city and I go um, for a walk along the beach And as I walk along the beach, um, I see the waves, these big, powerful waves, and I feel my smallness and the vastness of of nature, the vastness of creation. And I think the waves know God. (laughs) The waves know his name. They know his greatness. They know his power. And it's not um, dependent on how I'm feeling. It's not dependent on whether my hope feels strong or weak. The waves know his name. Or I go and sit by um, a stream, a river, and I watch the way that the waters come 
and then they go and new waters come. And I know that the hard times, the, the times where hope is getting lost, will pass just like the water will come and will go on because we have a creation that teaches us who God is. We have a cre- creation that speaks of God's character, his certainty, um, his unchangingness. Um, and I love, my, I love my job. I love Oasis Aquila. Um, and I think the difference that you can make when you support people, when you're that one stable person for people who are going through um, really difficult times. We work with people who are homeless or who have um, fled abusive relationships or um, who are going through times of poor mental health and life is turbulent and um, life can be very uncertain for them. And the privilege of being the people who get to uh, live alongside them, who get to be that one stable person, um, is an amazing thing. Um, but it's not easy. I tend to only get involved now. I used, to, I used to get involved all the time. I used to have a role that was standing alongside people. Now I don't. I'm mostly based in an office. And the times when I get involved are really when things have become difficult. So um, when a, a young woman who's living in one of our houses tries to kill herself or when um, a guy that we're working in gets aggressive towards staff. And in those moments, that sense of, um, I, we have a God who changes situations, we have a God who changes circumstances, can be hard to see and can be hard to hold on to. And it is in those times um, that we are called to be like the prophet Ezekiel. It is in those times that we're called to say, I'm going to prophesy to these bones and believe that they will live again, believe that the Spirit of God will enter in them. But it's also the time that is hardest. Um, and as a, a people who want to nurture hope, as a people who want to be a nurturing community, uh, your task, my task, is to be those who will go away from the city and find those places where our own hope gets built again so that we can be those who uh, breathe the spirit of God into the situations that we're in. So being a nurturing community is about nurturing hope. It's about nurturing hope in the lives of the people around us. If you go on to the next one. It's also about nurturing faith. Um, I've read a, a book recently uh, about the Christian faith, and it opened with a, one line that said, we are not finished yet, full stop. <laughs> And I loved that line. I found it so helpful. It was saying, um, we are not finished yet as people. Faith is, we are still on our journey of faith. We are incomplete. We are still being worked on by God. We are still being written. And so is the Christian faith. It's not a finished article. Our faith is not like a, a beautiful portrait that's hanging in a gallery with a rope around it so that grubby hands can't spoil it or mar it. Um, it is something that is being worked on. It is something that is in the making. And nurturing, being a nurturing community, being a community that nurtures faith, has that belief at its heart uh, that we are not finished yet, that we have things to learn as a community, um, and that we can nurture faith in others and expect that their faith will change our own faith, that their faith will show us um, things of Christ that we hadn't discovered that is new and different. 
Um, and being a nurturing church is about being a church that nurtures faith, not just in the life of the newcomer who comes to church with very little knowledge of the Bible or of um, what it is to be part of a church. It is about that, but it's also about nurturing church in, uh, nurturing faith in our leaders, nurturing faith in those who have been in church every Sunday, week in, week out, um, for many years. Um, because we all have a new season with God before us. We all have new buds forming um, and springing to life if we will let God do that work in us. And they are new works of gratitude, they're new works of understanding who God is. They're new works of mission, new works of uncovering things about God's character um, in others and in the world around us. And Ezekiel's dry bones, one of the, the things that I was thinking about when I read that was that fact that that image had been in the, the community's understanding for years and years and years, for generations and generations. People knew that dry bones were a sign of of death, that dry bones were a sign of the spirit within us having gone. Um, but Ezekiel retold it. He retold it in a way that that generation needed to hear. And maybe that was different to the story that was needed two generations ago, three generations ago. But he heard from God what was needed, that, that hope to be restored. And he retold the stories of old. And as we seek to be a nurturing community, that is our task, to take the stories we know inside out and back to front and hear God in them afresh and retell them um, for those who may not know the stories or those who have heard them so many times that it's lost their meaning. That's our task today. Go on to the next. Ah. Um, I, um, there's a story in John's Gospel um, and uh, it's a story of a woman at a well, and um, she goes to the well in the middle of the day, and it's boiling hot, um, and she goes probably at that time so she won't be seen, because nobody in their right mind would go to the well in the middle of the boiling hot summer to collect heavy water um, in the middle of the day, but she does so that she can go unnoticed, but she isn't unnoticed, she's seen, and she's seen by Jesus. Um, and in this story, Jesus goes up to her and starts a conversation, which he shouldn't do because she's a woman and men didn't talk to women in public, um, women that they didn't know. And he shouldn't have because she was a Samaritan and he was a Jew and Jews didn't talk to Samaritans. And he shouldn't have because she had been married five times and was a disgrace because of that in their eyes. Um, and Jesus was a holy man. He uh, was a good Jewish student. Um, but he goes and speaks to her. And um, when I was thinking about nurturing faith, I thought about this because I thought actually in that moment, um, faith was born in that woman. And it was born through conversation. And it was born through conversations that pushed boundaries and that broke convention. Um, and that was a very simple conversation about her life and about what Christ saw in her, what Jesus saw in her. Um, and nurturing faith is about simply meeting with people, talking with people, and allowing conversation to change the individual and change us. Birth faith in the individual and change faith in us as we see God work in a new way. 
Through conversation, she was changed. Through conversation, I think maybe Jesus was changed. He saw something new in this woman. And certainly history would tell us that through that conversation that the community of faith was changed and that Christianity had a new story, had something in it that was new and fresh. She was not finished. She, she might have been a woman who had been married five times and seen as a disgrace, but that was not the end of her story. And the Christianity was not finished in that moment. It changed through a breaking of boundaries, through Jesus going and talking to a woman that he shouldn't have been talking to in the conventions at the time. The Christian faith is not finished, and we certainly are not finished. And as we have those conversations, as we nurture faith in um, people that we don't know what God is going to do in their lives, we are changed. Our faith is deepened and developed, and we understand God in a new way. We are part of that process. We're part of that process of God bringing change, bringing transformation, bringing redemption and repair. And that is an enormous privilege. And lastly, as I was thinking about nurturing, I was thinking about nurturing life. If you go on to the next one. Um, And I'm going to end here, so if the band want to come up, then do. I was thinking um, about nurturing life. I was asked to speak on this subject about six weeks ago, which coincided with the birth of Molly Barnaby, who is my new goddaughter. Isn't she gorgeous? She's just learned to laugh. That's why I've got that picture up there. Um, And um, I'm I'm totally in love with Molly. Um, She is this small bundle of life and... um, unknownness and beauty and a a reflection of Christ Um, and I don't know who she will grow up to be I don't know uh, what God will do in her life Um, but my role at this time is to nurture life in her it's to take what's there this little bundle of potential and pray for her and to love her and to nurture what is there And to be a nurturing community is exactly that. It's to nurture life um, where where we don't know what it'll look like, but there's so much of God in it. Um, But it's also to nurture life um, when it looks very different. You can put the next slide on. I got a call um, on Friday um, from one of our project managers um, at one of our projects and she, she phoned me up because she wanted to run something past me and she said, Nancy, I've just had um, a, a young woman turn up at the door um, and she's lived here three times before and um, she turned up having walked from Leadgate uh, to Lofell, which had taken her about five hours. She turned up at about 9am and she hadn't eaten for three days and she smelt, and um, she turned up having um, left another abusive relationship, and she turned up because she didn't know where to go, but she had experienced staff nurturing her in those times before. And at that time of being lost and being broken, she went back to the place where life had been nurtured um, to see whether she could be nurtured again, see whether she could be looked after in that moment. Um, And she didn't go there because my staff were highly skilled and um, had had loads of training. She went there because they are people who put on Christ. They put on love. They put on patience. um, They put on peace in the turbulent storms. 
Um, and to be a nurturing community is that, I think. It's to be people who put on Christ so that whatever um, reflection of life comes through the door, whether it be a tiny bundle of potential and beauty or whether it be a broken, smelly version of life, that we can nurture it. And we can do that because we have Christ, his love, his peace, his patience. And as we do that, I think dry bones become strong. Dry bones become breathed with life through them again. They become bones that have got flesh and sinew on them and they become clothed, clothed in Christ. So my prayer for you is that you would be a nurturing community, that where there are dry bones, that you would nurture hope, that where faith has become settled, that you would become explorers walking further down the path and discovering new things of God. And that where life needs nurturing, that you would put on Christ, his love, his peace, his patience. And that for you, wherever your hope feels used up, your faith feels old, that you would be replenished and that the peace of Christ would rule in your hearts. Amen.